0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. My name's J.D. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, um, I cannot wait to hang out with you one day. Uh, but I, I wanted to start off a little bit unique because how many of you are actually a part of World mandate? Can you just let me see you? Love that. Um, We were one of the host sites here, which was just, wasn't it just the phenomenal time? Like, were you, I was blown away at what God did over the past couple of days. And uh, we also got to see some of our family on the screen. And I love to give honor where honor is due. And, And we have a young man here who will always be young. We have a young man here who who is just done the best job of being a blast. He serves in our kids' ministry so faithfully with just like the best heart. And he's one of the funniest humans in the planet. And that's why he hosted all the games. Our own Britt Knighton. Can you stand up wherever you are? There he is right there, making it happen, representing us well. Love it. You know, last night was one of those moments that I think I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life. Where Jimmy, the leader of our movement, gave this word, and you can boil it down to this, the time is now. That there's a kairos moment of God, there's there's a window where we have been given an invitation to be joining and working with Jesus and seeing more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. And we ended our time together by putting some buckets on the front of the stage and we just said look, if you feel like God is stirring you right now, to respond to this Kairos moment. You might not know where you're gonna go, you might not know how you're gonna go, but you are saying, my heart is in to this journey of responding to the heart of God for this hour, for this moment. If that's you, we want you to come up and drop your lanyard into the buckets. And I just want you to visibly see, (laughs) this is just here in Austin, the amount of people that said, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give everything that I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the best years of my life to see the kingdom of heaven advanced in our day. And I just want to say that when I saw this, I was so overwhelmed. Because you, you get a sense that God is doing something really special. And I shared a little bit of this last night, but I've been a part of a few beginnings in my day. Joe mentioned it being in Seattle and meeting in a very different theater than this with the aroma of whiskey and beer deep into the walls and having things written about us and stuff blowing up and having to walk through just horrific situation after horrific situation and looking at my wife and just being like, what What are we doing? You know, like we're just trying to be obedient to what God has for us and then why... I does it feel like we're going uphill? And, and then to stand here with all of you last night, just the surrendered hearts to Jesus, watching just the stream of people come to the front and drop their lanyard in the bucket. I, I literally looked over at Chris Otts and said, dude, I cannot believe we get to be a part of this. I can't believe, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Like, how privileged are we to be in Austin for such a time as this? We are the luckiest people to be able to be here in this city right now when God is doing something unprecedented, something beyond our wildest dreams. And I just want to say, get excited, church. Because I don't think we have seen anything yet. I think that this morning is a beginning of something that is going to absolutely change the world. We've been in a series of talks that we were calling Build the House. And really what we're doing is we're clarifying for all of us Who we really are. What are the things we carry? What are the values that we have? Like what are we staking this whole thing on that we're leaning into together? And we talked about how Jesus is our message. We we talked about how Jesus is not just one of the things. He is the only thing. Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. Can you believe we get to do this? We get to lay our lives down to to serve one another and to see God just become so famous in this city that it's going to blow all of our minds. And we talked about how hope is our privilege and how we put our hope and we find strength in, in the glory that is found in hoping in who God is and not what we hope God does. Then we talked about honor is our language. That who we are, how we communicate, how we interact is is covered in this beautiful canvas of honor. And then this week, very fittingly, we want to talk about how Celebration is our Soundtrack celebration is our soundtrack, a passage of scripture. is really special to Liz and I, actually, as we just started dreaming into what it would look like for us to plant a church here in Austin. One of the first scriptures that God deposited into our hearts and just said, hey, look, hang on to this promise. This is a biblical promise of what you need to believe for, pray into, and hope in. And it is this, Psalms 5, verse 11. It says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. This is David speaking to God. That those who love your name may rejoice in you. And verse 12 says this, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as a shield. And can I read the scripture to you in the message? Because I love the way the message version just really makes this come alive. It says, but you'll welcome us with open arms. But you, God, but you'll welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. I love that. We run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. You are famous. God, for welcoming God-seekers, for decking us out in delight. Let the party last all night. Can I just pray for us? God, I'm asking right now that you would begin to do something in these moments that we have together that is going to literally knit us together beyond our wildest dreams. As we are here, both the North Campus and the South Campus together, celebrating as one, God, would you knit us together around the truth of who you are and who you've called us to be? And everybody said, yes. you know, I want to start uh, this time with a question. How many of you cry in movies? How many movie criers we got in the house? Yeah, that's me. I'm with you. Now, when I was younger, I, I did not enjoy the fact that if it was moving, I would be moved, right? It's not, you know, that's not a good look. I mean, you're a teenage dude, you go see a movie with your friends, and there's like an emotional part, and they look over at you, and you're tearing up, you know, you you pull out all the excuses, I got allergies, I yawned. you know what I mean, like it's a, you know, as a young guy, you're not thinking like, man, I'm just so thankful, I cry, all, you know, That's not what comes up. You're you're trying to hide it, make excuses for it. As I've gotten older, I love it. I I love that I cry. I love crying. I've embraced it. It's awesome. I I cry more than Liz. I think that means I'm more whole than she is. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) And there was this moment when I was in high school where I just happened to be home alone. And and I am uh, sitting on the couch Watching television and the show Dawson's Creek came on. Y'all, y'all know this show? Y'all remember this? It's old school, man. Like Dawson's Creek came on and I just got sucked in. Joey, you know I me? Mean? Dawson. Lacey, that's right. And so like I am just, draw. I mean, I am just 100% locked in and I, you know, it's emotional. You know, young love at its finest, you know what I mean? Like the tension of romance and just like, oh, I think I'm in love with Katie Holmes, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is real, this isn't a crush, this is like, a... and I'm sitting on my couch and I'm just like weeping, man. Like, I am weeping. And I hear Ding dong. <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm already busted because the way my parents' house was set up is like when you're standing at the front door, you could look through the window and see the television. So I know I'm busted, so I'm hoping it's somebody random. You know, like at least it'd be a stranger. I open the door and to my horror, it is my best friend. And he looks at me and he literally says, bro, why are you watching Dawson's Creek? Not hello, not how are you, not have you been crying, straight just hitting me where it hurts. What is wrong with you? Why are you watching Dawson's Creek? You know what? And I I just decided to be vulnerable in that moment and I responded in the in in the very common, open-hearted, genuine dude response, I don't know. <laughs> I had no excuse. Like there was no reason. Like I was sucked in. Like it just like reached out and grabbed me, you know. And, and then when my friend came over, I'm like, I felt like I was violated. You know, like I didn't want to watch this show. Now I'm never gonna live this down. He tells this story still. And you know what, I was thinking about that moment and I was like, you know what, it definitely wasn't the acting, okay? The acting did not draw me in. I watched the clip, wasn't the acting. But the soundtrack, it was like the soundtrack of my life, man. The music would come on, I'm there, man. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting on the the pier with them. That's the song I would have played too. You know, and it's just like the music just came out and just like grabbed my soul and wouldn't let go. Isn't it interesting how a soundtrack can literally change what we're watching? Like you can even do, you can go to YouTube and you can search like the effects of soundtracks or backing tracks in movies. And they have these examples where you can watch a movie clip and they'll change the music in the background and it will change the vibe of what you were seeing. It can go from looking horrific, and they change the music, and all of a sudden it becomes inspiring. Same scene, different soundtrack. It's completely different. I think for us, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand that we also have a soundtrack that plays. We have a backing track to our lives. That there's something that is the go-to song, if you will, when life hits you. I don't know what it is for you. I know for me, for most of my life, that soundtrack had the lyrics of, you're a failure, you're going to amount to nothing. So it didn't matter what I was doing, didn't matter what encouragement I received. It didn't matter if I even succeeded in something. All I could hear was the backing track to my life was, you're a failure. You're never going to succeed. So I could not even receive what I was being given. We, we have a soundtrack. Maybe yours is like fear and rejection. So someone's trying to love you and you can't even hear it because all you hear is, I'll always be alone. i always push people away. I'll always be alone. I'll always push people away. And that soundtrack is shaping how you experience what's happening all around you. So what's our, the, the, the real question is like, what's our soundtrack? Like what, what are we allowing to shape what we're experiencing? What, what song are we allowing in our hearts and in our minds, in our souls, that is literally coloring the experience that we're having? If physical music can change how we see a movie scene, how much more the heart song change what we're experiencing. We all have a soundtrack. We all have something that we go to, especially in times of trouble. You you have a go-to. And I believe that this morning, God wants to begin to shift our song. He wants to begin to turn that soundtrack into a soundtrack of celebration. The story I want to dive into for our time is in Genesis 12. When I felt like God dropped this passage in my heart, really, this story that we're going to be diving into, I was thinking, God, I'm talking about celebration. And I felt like God wanted me to preach on this moment that happened with the guy we're going to get to know here in a little bit. His name's Abraham and an interaction that this man, Abraham, had with his son, Isaac, his only son. And we're going to get there in a minute. But when we get there, when we get to this passage of scripture, you're going to realize the tension I was feeling when I was like, "What? this is for real. Like, this is supposed to be a party. We're talking about this moment. And then God zeroed me in on Abraham's soundtrack and how it changed from when God called him in Genesis 12 to the moment that we're going to begin to read in a few minutes in Genesis 22. And the soundtrack shaped what Abraham was seeing. And when we get his soundtrack, I think it changes the way that we read the scripture. And it goes from being unthinkable to beautiful. Because our soundtrack shapes everything. Genesis 12 is the beginning of what's known as the call of Abraham. Abraham was not always his name. His name originally, and what we'll read in Genesis 12, was Abram. And it says this, Genesis 12 verse 1, this is God giving Abram a promise. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's house, to the land I'll show you and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now watch Abraham's response. I love this. So Abram went. That's huge. That little phrase right there is kind of a sermon all in and of itself, and so Abraham went. God said, go. He said, I'm out. So Abraham went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old. And he took his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now what we know that Abram does not know is that this was the beginning of God beginning to carve out a people on the earth that would represent him to everyone. That this was God's beginning step to to begin to birth a people that would be a picture of his glory and grace displayed on the earth. But Abram didn't know that. Abram only knew that he was 75 years old and had zero children. That's all he knew. He didn't know that from his line was going to be a man named David. And then from David's line was going to be a man named Jesus that was going to save the world. He had no idea. He just heard God say, your offspring is going to outnumber the sand, the stars. It's going to be amazing. Abraham's like, uh, that's not my soundtrack, dude. Now, my soundtrack is I'm 75 years old. I've tried to have kids my whole life and I have zero. I've got no kids. So, so how in the world is this promise going to come to pass? Can anybody relate to God dropping a promise in your heart that makes no sense? That it literally is impossible for you to wrap your mind around all that God wants to do through you because you're like, but that's not my song. I've been on this earth for some years. My song is not favor. My song is not blessed. My song is not multiplication. My song is sorrow, desperation, and hopeless. And we see this begin to come out in Genesis 15, verse 1. It says, don't be afraid, Abram. This is God speaking. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now listen to Abram's soundtrack. Abram's soundtrack is this, oh sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? God is speaking to him like, look, I'm going to do amazing things, but he's still got that soundtrack that's telling him who he is. How, how, what are you going to do for me? He can't even hear the promise because all he can hear is the soundtrack. Nothing comes out of my life. No good comes out of my life. There's no fruit out of my life. Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you do for me? Because look, I'm still childless. You promised this. I'm still childless. But I want you to listen to verse five. Because verse five says this He took him outside. God took him outside. He said, Look, come here, Abram. Come with me. Come outside. He says, Look up at the heavens, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then say to him, this so shall your offspring be. Now listen to the beginning of the new hit record in Abram's soul. Here's the beginnings of the new lyrics to his soundtrack. Abraham believed God. This was a turning point. It went from being like, okay, yeah, cool, but you don't know me. Too big, too lofty, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. I'm Abram. I'm 75. I'm old, broke down. My wife can't get pregnant. Thank you for the encouragement, Lord, but that's not a promise. Then he had a turn. Where he said, I'm going to stop believing the song that life has taught me. And I'm going to start listening to the song that God is telling me. And he said, Abraham believed God. Genesis 17 is where he experiences his name change. And the thing I want us to point out is that he was 75 when God spoke the word. You know when his son was born, Isaac, you know how many years it was? 25 years. 25 years. I love that because we live in a society where if you don't get breakthrough in five minutes, we think it's not God. You're you're believing for something. It's been a week. You're like, must have missed it. Too big of a goal. 25 years. Like, why? Why would that be? Like, what? Why would God take 25 years? I mean, his his wife could have gotten pregnant like that. Like, it wasn't like it was too hard for God. Like, why did it take 25 years? I'll tell you why. Because it took 75 years for Abram to learn a soundtrack. And it took 25 years for him to unlearn it. And in those 25 years, who he saw God to be and who he experienced God to, to receive from was completely changed from Genesis 12 to what we're getting ready to enter into in Genesis 22. It started with him saying, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe what God says more than I believe even what life has taught me, what my experience is showing me. My circumstances are not going to dictate for me what I can believe for. I'm going to believe God. And that sent him on a pathway of becoming consumed with the character of God, regardless of what he saw with his physical eyes. And all of this accumulates in Genesis 22. And honestly, this passage of Scripture is... is, is not an easy one. I want to read it to us and then we'll dive into it a little bit. Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah, And sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. And early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And we had cut enough wood for a burnt offering, he set out to the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and my boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back to you. You read this story, two things come up. The first is, feels a little extreme. Anybody else? I'm like don't test me like that because I'll fail. I'm not getting no donkeys. I'm being like, might have missed it. Feels extreme. Like why in the world would God ask Abraham to even do that? Like what, what is going on that he would ask him to sacrifice his son? Not just his son, son. That alone is a mind blow. Like, what in the world is going on in the heart of God that he would ask that question? But then it's like, this is the promised son. This is the beginning, the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise that he had received. Like, what, why would God ask him to do that? Now, this is why I love the Bible, because the Bible is telling one story. We call it the meta-narrative of God. And when you look at an isolated moment and try to define who God is, you can be distorted. But when you look from Genesis to Revelation, you realize that it's telling one story of a loving God longing to restore relationship with the humanity that he's created. And so when you read this story through that lens, you think like, oh, Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son and they went on a three day journey. And you're like, "Whoa, this is a Old Testament picture of who Jesus is and what he did for me." And then all of a sudden you're like, "This isn't a crazy story. This is a gospel story." Yeah, that this is like, "Wow." Like Jesus in the Old Testament, I love this. Like because the Bible's telling one story. Now, the other thing, after you think like, wow, this is extreme, the other thing that you think is like, I can't relate to this. I would never even consider this. But I actually think that we all can relate to this because although we've never been in this situation, we all have experienced feeling like the direction we're heading is literally killing the place that God called us to believe for. The reason I know that is because God does not operate how we operate. When God put in our hearts to plant this church, he spoke to us about the dreams that he put in our hearts when we planted the church in Seattle like 15 years ago. And he's like, that was for this. And, and like, I was like, oh, wow, because it, man, That season felt like a dog fight. And I was like, gosh, I'm going to keep believing, but man, like what in the heck? Can we get a W? You know, like we would have like invite people over. Nobody would come. You know how lame that is? You know how lame that is? You throw a party and nobody comes and like not one, like it becomes like the normal. And we had these dreams that were like massive And it felt like we were walking up a mountain that made no sense. We've all felt that. We've all felt like God has put something in us, a massive dream in us. And then you're feeling him leading you and you're like, why in the world were you leading me left when the dream seems to be right? Like, Why would you have me go here, be with them, serve here? That doesn't make any sense. We've all experienced that. But I want to I, I want to take us into a window into Abraham's new soundtrack and it is what held him as he went up the mountain. It is what inspired him as he literally was standing over the top of his son Isaac getting ready to sacrifice him. Listen to his soundtrack. His son Isaac as they're cruising up the mountain alone. The bells start going off like, yo, this is starting to feel a little funny. And he's like, father. And my kids don't ever call me that. Father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire's here. The wood's here. But there's no lamb here. <laughs> What are we going to (laughs) burn? Now listen to Abraham's answer. Because Abraham's answer is the lyrics to his soundtrack. God himself will provide. He was unshaken. God's going to provide. Abraham believed God. If God spoke a promise, God's going to fulfill the promise. And although my circumstances might look like they're contradicting the promise, Abraham believed God. And the belief in who God was allowed him to experience an amazing picture of the coming salvation of all of us. Because because he was obedient to walk up the mountain, he looked as he was getting ready to sacrifice his son and he heard God yell, Abraham, Abraham. And he looked up and there was a ram stuck in the bushes. He says, get your boy off that offering, and you both go get that lamb, that perfect sacrifice, and you put that lamb on the altar. Let it take Isaac's place so he can live, the promise can live, and this lamb can die. And the confetti said, Amen. I don't know what that is, but that's kind of creepy. I'm not calling God on that. I'm calling high school musical drama, all right? <laughs> just call that what it is. Somebody might be like, try to make it spiritual. Nah, I'm just wigged out right now. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Celebration is our soundtrack. When we say that, when we make that declaration of this is who we are, man, we're a we're celebrating people. What we're saying is, is that we're going to obsess about the character of God and allow the character of God to give us the lyrics to our soundtrack and not the circumstances of our life. That's what we're saying. We're saying we want to dive in to what Abraham modeled for us which is that we are going to be a people that obsess about who God is in the middle of circumstances that we don't fully understand versus trying to figure out who God is in light of our circumstances. Celebration is our soundtrack. No matter what is coming out of us, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what struggle you're believing for breakthrough in, we are going to say God's good. God will provide. God is faithful. God is good to his promise. I don't get it. Feel like I'm walking up a mountain, holding, dragging the very thing I'm called to believe for. But I'm going to say, God, you're good. I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to look at my circumstances and get discouraged. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to let celebration overtake my soul and let the soundtrack of my life begin to shout out. God will provide. I don't get it, but I don't have to get it because God's got me. I Man, I cannot think of a better way to end our time this morning by literally doing this together. By physically changing the lyrics of our song even in the midst of this transition that we're saying from right now from this point forward celebration is our soundtrack God is good God will provide God will take care of my needs God will see me when I'm hurting God will comfort me in my time of loneliness God will bring clarity where there's confusion because God is good that's our song And so we want to do something as a picture of the unity that is going to be remaining even as we go back to our other campuses next week. The picture is, is that we are one family, but our house has two rooms. And this isn't just like a sending out and a commissioning and a celebration of the new South Campus. This is also saying we're sending out a North Campus because God is multiplying us. And although our physical location is not shifting, God is doing a new thing. And so can we just stand together?